Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yarmy mateys, welcome to another episode of Positively Trek aboard the good ship Positively Trek. I don't know where I was going with that, guys. Welcome to Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, as always, is Bruce Gibson, and we be talking pirates this week in our review of Strange New Worlds. Bruce, how's it going? Would you please stop? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) The new episode this week, of course, is season one episode seven the serene squall and uh yeah as as you could tell from the opening has to do with pirates gonna be a fun discussion before we get to that though we're going to get to the week's star trek news so we've got a few news stories this week let's get right to them first of all star trek discovery officially begins filming season five now this isn't like surprise news this isn't like oh my gosh i had no idea this was happening this is just like yeah it was about what we expected but now we do have official confirmation from michelle paradise on twitter that season five of star trek discovery is now officially filming so bruce are you excited for season five did you enjoy season four are you really anticipating the next season I am, because I have to tell you, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think as each season goes, I'm liking each season more than the previous one. It just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, that's my feelings about it as well. I really enjoyed season four. I felt the way the season wrapped up was excellent. And it really gives me a lot of hope for what they're going to do in season five. So... Yeah, I'm excited. We, of course, like I said, got this tweet from Michelle Paradise, which is just the pictures of the orange cones that uh, denote something on set <laughs> while they're uh, doing the filming. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we get. No pictures of the actual set, no costumes, no characters, just, you know, orange traffic cones. Yeah, and it looks like there's a whole cage of them behind the cones there. Like, there's tons of orange cones. Like, they should be selling these on StarTrek.com so us fans can get official Season 5 cones. Oh, I, you know, Al, I was going to say I'd buy them, but I, I probably actually wouldn't. But somebody would, and that's the, that's the important thing. Yeah, it's funny that it's a cone represents the start of a production of a Star Trek series. Yeah, I mean... It's it's got to be worth its own action figure at least. So yeah, and then the director should pick up the cone like a megaphone and go say action through it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we don't know much about season five at all, other than that it is coming, and probably next year in twenty twenty three, it'll be ten episodes long, which is kind of matching what Paramount Plus is doing with all of the Star Trek live action shows at the moment. It'll be on Paramount Plus most places around the world. 
Except, of course, Canada, where we have the weird Bell Media thing with CTV Sci-Fi Channel and Crave. I, I see that someday just being on Paramount Plus here in Canada as well. But uh, I'm kind of actually weirdly looking forward to the day where when we announce where things are airing, we can just say Paramount Plus and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We just say, yeah, and of course it's on Paramount Plus everywhere. That's it. Simple as that. Yeah. And uh, as we're recording this, I am meeting with some Paramount people in my professional job next week. So I don't think they have any information to give me because they have no connection to this stuff at all. But I'm I'm excited just to bring it up just to see if they have something to say to me. <laughs> but I, I don't think they will. But I want to put you on the spot, Dan, because if we're talking Uh-oh. about season five, I'm just curious, is there anything you really would like to see in season five or something you don't want them to do with season five? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'll go on the record here and I'll probably end up having to eat my words, but let's not have like a galaxy ending universe destroying threat. I mean, I know they have to have some sort of something that's pushing the plot for the whole season, but I'm kind of a little tired of the, the entire galaxy or the entire universe being at stake. So that's something I wouldn't mind if they strayed away from as far as things that I'd like to see. Let's see some 32nd century Klingons. I want to see what they're going to do with that just to put them on the spot. (laughs) Why do I even ask these questions? Because everything you just said is what I was going to (laughs) say. That is so weird. But, uh, okay, so now I feel like I have to think of something that you didn't say that I would like to see or not see in this. But to your point, yeah, I don't want to see a galactic threat. I don't want Earth to be under some kind of threat of any kind or any other Federation planet that we know of. I think I'd like to maybe, you know, what's going on with the Bajoran wormhole? What's going on Mm. in that part of the galaxy? That's cool. I wouldn't mind seeing that. We did see a changeling last season, so... You know, yeah, interesting. Let's bring some Deep Space Nine representation. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go with that. So, yeah, should be interesting. I have no idea what direction they're going to go in. Yeah, me neither. I look forward to finding things out along with everyone else. Uh, But from there, let's continue talking about Star Trek on television, this time going from something that we're going to see in the future to something that we just recently saw and is going to be coming soon to Blu-ray and DVD, and that's Star Trek Picard Season 2. So, of course, that series wrapped up in May, and all 10 episodes were finished, we're done with that, but they will be available for you to take home on Blu-ray and DVD this fall, October 4th, which, uh, again, is interesting timing for the both of us, because that would be a great late birthday gift for me, and a just exactly on time birthday gift for you, Bruce. Yeah, well, I'll take it for sure. And then I'm going to tell my family that we're going to spend the entire day watching episode after episode after episode. That's how my birthday will be spent. Excellent. Well, not just the episodes, because there are, of course, with any Blu-ray or DVD bonus features to be consumed. And there's some interesting bonus features with this one. It looks like a number of different featurettes on various aspects of season two, including the USS Stargazer, um, some stuff by production designers, things regarding the various characters that we see and props. But 
My favorite things that are on Blu-rays and DVDs is, of course, the gag reel, which we are getting with this set, as well as deleted scenes. Yeah, I love deleted scenes, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm liking these. There is one thing missing, though, that I love in Blu-ray sets that is not here, and I'm really sad. I don't see any mention of commentary tracks for any of the episodes. Oh, no. Yeah, because I do really love those. That's the other thing I like. Uh, that's not good. And maybe it's just not listed here. But the fact that it's not is making me think we're not going to get that. But regardless, I mean, the featurettes and the like you said, the gag reel and the deleted scenes is worth it right there. And also to have it in such a good quality to play on a Blu-ray player and it will look better in your TV than it does streaming. So that's worth it too. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're doing also a regular release as well as a Blu-ray steelbook release. So uh, if you'll recall, we talked about Lower Deck season two, they're not doing a special steelbook release, but it looks like Picard is still getting that treatment. So for those collectors that really like those steelbooks on their shelf, you will get that option with that gorgeous Patrick Stewart and John Delancey key art that they revealed for season two. I think that that case looks gorgeous. That would be really cool. And I'm looking at the inside of the case and I see the skyline of Los Angeles there in the background. And again, I just mentioned as of this recording, I'll be in, in Los Angeles and I haven't been there since the pandemic started. And since the season aired and I'm thinking, I'll probably be driving around thinking about this last season of Picard, <laughs> you know? That's pretty cool, yeah. It's going to feel weird. Yeah, visit some of those filming locations and, you know, imagine Seven and Rafi zooming down the freeway in their stolen police vehicle and all that stuff. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I should carve out some time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, if you do that, let me know how it goes. So a few weeks back... We talked about a fan project that was uh, released on the internet, which was Star Trek The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds, a little scene from that done in the style of Star Trek The Animated Series. And now the same person responsible for that has come out with another one with uh, Star Trek Voyager in the style of the animated series. And not just any Voyager episode. No, no. They've gone to the cream of the crop and given us parts of the episode Threshold in animated series style. So, Bruce, have you had a chance to watch this? I absolutely did. I think this thing had only been out for like an hour or two. When I saw that it was released and I watched it, and I think it's like a good six minutes or so. And I have to say, this couldn't be any better. I mean, the last one we saw was really good, too. But the fact that they took Threshold and did this, this is the <laughs> perfect episode to do this. And what's really interesting to me is it works better as an animated feature than I think the actual episode, because <laughs> this feels like something you would see in an animated series. Yeah. It's funny how the plot feels so outlandish and ridiculous in Voyager, but in this style, it's just right at home with some of the animated series adventures. And that's not to say they're not great stories. I love the animated series. Don't worry, fans of the animated series, Aaron Harvey, I'm talking to you especially. I do love the animated series, but there are some over-the-top ridiculous stuff. And this just fits that so perfectly. 
like that ending dialogue when they find Paris and Janeway on the planet and they discover that they've had offspring. The fact that they put that like silly TAS music, like when there's like a joke ending going on, (laughs) that was so perfect. It was brilliant. Absolutely. It again, I feel like that works better animated than it did in the actual live action series because just seeing those little creatures or little babies coming out of the hole and that music it's just like perfect yeah well this is obviously a huge labor of love there's tons of little easter eggs in there uh, from the animated series lots of really deep cut references and if you haven't seen this yet you really owe it to yourself to check it out i'll have a link in the show notes to an interview with the creator on trekmovie.com if you want to check that out some great insights into how this all came together and there's even a behind the scenes video uh, showing how the next generation one was done so really really worth checking out i wonder if we'll get another one for another series we need a deep space nine one (laughs) absolutely that is actually one of the questions asked and the answer is maybe there'll be more they never thought they'd do a second one so you never know i have a feeling we're gonna have a well how's it go the delorane country for oh my goodness Move along home. Move along yeah. home, but I'm trying to remember the song exactly. Alamorane, Alamorane, four. Alamorane, yes. send three more. Alamorane, if you see Alamorane, you'll come with me. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We're gonna see that one. Oh <laughs> I my goodness! <laughs> yes, that would be terrific. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. That's that's Bruce's prediction, and I can't say I disagree. I think there's a strong possibility of that. So, gazelle. Um, the person who made this video, get on it. We want to see that. <laughs> yes. And then put us in the background as extras, me and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it occurs to me as well. I don't know how well this would translate into this format. It's probably not quite the right tone, but with that name Gazelle, they they maybe need to do Archer's speech about gazelles from Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's favorite moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We should see that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's uh, move on from that to our thoughts on the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. And... With this particular episode, The Serene Squall, I feel like the silliness isn't quite going to end yet. So we'll be right back after this break to talk pirates and kidnappings and all sorts of shenanigans. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, Jesse Earl, and Justin Ozer. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positively trek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you all once again. And now let's get back to the show. You know, all species put things into boxes. It's like you're either this 
or you're that. And sometimes we act a certain way to fit people's expectations, but that's not necessarily who we are. And sometimes, like on the bridge just now, they can limit us. So, Bruce, when you first saw the episode title, The Serene Squall, before you knew anything about the episode whatsoever, what did you think this was going to be about? Like, just with that title, I'm I'm always curious what that first impression is. I don't know. I don't think I thought anything. Honestly, I think I watched the episode before I even realized what the title was. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I saw the title, The Serene Squall, and I was like, okay, a squall is a storm. So maybe it's like a, a space storm or something. But a serene squall, that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. But yeah, it's a pirate ship. It's the name of a pirate ship. I, I honestly didn't go there in my head. So yeah, I think uh, Johnny Depp likes this episode because of that. Because <laughs> it reminds <laughs> him of what he used to play when he played at Disney. <laughs> Ooh, topical. All right. Mm, well, <laughs> yes. So let's jump into this episode. And of course, as usual, warning to everybody listening, we are getting into episode spoilers. So if you've not seen The Serene Squall, turn back before you get pulled into the storm of the spoilers that are coming up. So first of all, we start out with a scene on Vulcan and T'Pring. And I've got to be honest, I'm surprised that we're returning to T'Pring this quickly. I didn't think that we'd be seeing her this soon. I thought, you know, oh, we're kind of putting, you know, that story would be in the background for a bit. But it's interesting that we're right back to that right away here. See, this is why I don't think sometimes that we're a very interesting podcast, because you and I think <laughs> too much alike. I, it's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking... Wow, we're going back to T'Pring again. Like, in the first episode, we saw a little of her, and I was like, okay, that that's cool. I like that. Then we saw her in another episode. I was like, oh, well, they put her in the first episode, kind of leading up into this other episode that we're going to have. And that's probably the last we'll see of T'Pring, maybe, maybe one more time in a, in a future season. I was not expecting this so soon. And it's not mm -hmm. like... Oh, it's just a small part. She has a big part in this. Now I'm like, okay, now I'm expecting to bring every four episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, that's not to say that like it's an unwelcome surprise. No. I I'm really into this story. I'm really into this exploration of their relationship. To bring has contacted Spock because she's read a bunch of books in an attempt to, as the humans say, spice things up. Uh, she's interested in some exper in some experimentation, and she brings this up to Spock. And my laugh out loud first moment of this episode, where I actually had to like stop and back it up a bit because I missed what was said for the next bit, was Spock's reaction to T'Pring, where he just like audibly chokes on whatever it was he's drinking and says, what? <laughs> I love that. This was the closest we've ever gotten to a spot spit take. <laughs> I had the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> I also had the thought of the scene about what you said when T'Pring was in a previous episode when they were kissing. Yeah. It's, it's just a human thing and she's kind of into it. Right. I had that. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was thinking of Dan having his sexual thoughts about Vulcans. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, well, well maybe that's a, that's an 
positively trick after dark episode we can talk or something but i love that t'pring is you know just beyond the surface level of it where you know there's the funny almost spit take from spock and and all of that stuff it's kind of cool that she's looking to try to understand what she says is a big part of Spock's culture, his human half, even more so than I think Spock is interested in exploring it. He seems actually kind of like taken aback a bit by all of this, but what she's doing is as Spock says, pretty thoughtful. Like that's kind of cool. I do like how she's interested in exploring his human half, because I wouldn't think I wouldn't expect that of T'Pring. And I'm talking about from what we saw in the original series. I wouldn't think, oh, I bet, you know, prior to this episode, she was interested in his human sexual side. <laughs> like, you know, the thought never occurred in my mind. But I like this because it does seem like a logical thing to do. You know, uh, Vulcan's looking at this logically saying, okay, this person is half Vulcan, half human. Well, Humans have a different sexual way of expressing themselves than Vulcans. And so maybe I should explore that avenue because maybe that will work in some manners with Spock than more so than some other things. So it just makes logical sense. Yeah, it's logical. Absolutely. I, and I, I do appreciate that. I also love that Spock is continuing to seek advice from Chapel about this, even though the way things turned out last time he asked for advice and Chapel brings this up. Uh, Spock promises that won't happen again though. So, you know, interesting that we've got this triangle kind of happening there, which more to come on that later in this episode too. And again, this isn't anything I would have expected when watching TOS. My impression was that Christine Chapel was admiring Spock from afar, which in some ways she still is, but you know, I never expected that they had a relationship, not romantic, but some type of relationship for a number of years before we see TOS. That is, like you said, in this kind of triangle situation. I never would have expected that. And I mean, things will change by the end of this episode. But at this point, I love that Chaplin Spock have this friendship going on. They have this, you know, back and forth and... Spock, I think, actually has the best line in this whole exchange where they're walking and talking about this new development with T'Pring, where Spock is kind of lost in thoughts, in his own thoughts, and Chapel is talking and like Spock's not paying any attention at all. And then they suss out why. And then Christine says, now, piece of advice, when I'm talking, you need to pay attention. Why? And Spock says, you are very charming and I am missing it. <laughs> I love that line. That's perfect. I like also what you said about their friendship. That's really what we should focus on. You know, that's what I should have said earlier. It's like they have a, a good bond in a friendship that I never would have expected. And I like mm -hmm. that. I like this a lot. Yeah. And, and Chapel's line where she says, you know what, you know why I like being friends with a Vulcan? You're honest or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I love that. Chapel, her, Jess Bush, the way she plays her, this open, honest face of hers. There's so many close-ups on her in this episode where her eyes are just like open and, and I don't know, so expressive. I, I just love the way she's playing this character. Like wide-eyed, 
but not not naive, not wide-eyed in a, in a naive sense, but just wide-eyed, full of life, full of happiness and exuberance. And just, I find her character so refreshing. It's like her eyes are very welcoming because mm-hmm. it's like I said in a previous episode, the thing I like about her character in this series is that she accepts change very quickly. It's like if something all of a sudden changes, it's like, okay, we go with it. She goes with the flow. She's open to things. And so I feel like she's open to this friendship with Spock. She's open to what he's saying. She's open to what feelings maybe he is expressing. And I think it is that like wide-eyed kind of childish. I'm not saying she's childish at all, but that view of like, you know, excited about exploring the world and the things around it. We'll definitely come back to Chapel as I've alluded to for sure, because there's, she's gets a couple other great moments in this episode, but uh, let's talk about, and I'm, I'm kind of mixing up the way I put in the notes here. Let's talk a little bit about the main guest star of the week. We've got Jesse James Keitel guest starring as Dr. Aspen, who is aboard the ship. Apparently they used to work as a counselor on a star base, but now they work in humanitarian relief efforts. What were your initial thoughts of this character when we first see them in this briefing room scene at the beginning? I I guess my thought was that they didn't come across really as just like the Deanna Troy type counselor that there was more to this character than that more seriousness and seemed to have more responsibility and whatever role they're playing. I would say at the beginning of this episode, I thought the character was okay. It wasn't until, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but it wasn't until their interactions with Spock that I was really getting invest, invested into this character. Well, let's, let's talk about that then because their interactions with Spock are really interesting especially upon a second watch of this episode. And I feel like a second watch of this episode is mandatory at this point, given the events of it. They really do connect with Spock at a number of points in the episode. And there's in particular, again, jumping all around the episode, but there's an incident on the bridge that clearly kind of upsets Spock. And they have a conversation in his quarters after where Dr. Aspen comes to the, comes to his quarters and asks if he's okay. And they talk a little bit about Spock's half human nature. And I found this really interesting given that uh, Dr. Aspen is played by a trans woman actor, Jesse James Keitel. And the character is being played as a non-binary character And this whole conversation about how people don't necessarily fit into boxes and maybe Spock isn't half human, half Vulcan. Maybe he's not just human or just Vulcan. Maybe he's neither. Maybe he's both. Maybe he's neither. That's for Spock to kind of discover on his own and find out. And, you know, I I don't want to speak out of turn because it's not my lived experience or anything like that. But I really got the feeling that there was like the, the experience of a trans person that being used as an allegory for what Spock's going through as well. And I I found that really fascinating. I picked up on that too. I thought the same thing, but I also thought even just beyond that, I think it's just, 
you know, the, the expression of all of humanity of these boxes. It's like, why do we have mm-hmm. to be in boxes? Yeah. I, you know, we're not white on one side and black on the other. Like those are, those are <laughs> those halves. Right. So yeah. it always kind of bothered me when it was Spock is half human, half Rami. I mean, not Rami, half Vulcan and half human. But what does that mean? It doesn't mean like, you choose this half to do this way and this other half to do like, why do you have to make decisions based on what a human does or what a Vulcan does? You're your own person, right? You don't have to fit into the categories of Vulcan or human, just be you. And I loved how, how this character, Dr. Aspen says, it's not about what you are, but who you are. And that's Mm -hmm. really how I feel a lot of us have to look at ourselves is like, who are we? Not what categories we fit into, not, and oh, oh, I also love how he says he's Vulcan because he grew up on Vulcan and they're like, that's geography, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I love, this was my favorite scene in the whole episode because I love the point that was made here. Me too. And that line where, where they say that's geography. I love how taken aback Spock is that like. I never even thought of it from that perspective before. The acting by both of these actors in this scene is so good. I really, really enjoy this. Yeah, it really is about just being you. Don't worry about what people think you should be. Just be you. Be true to yourself. Don't. I I mean, it's easier said than done. Everybody's always trying Mm. to figure out what their place is and who they really are. And we have all these outside forces that are always telling us or or showing us who we think we should be. So it's very hard to figure out who you really are because you're looking in the outside world, but you really have to look inside. Yeah. It's not up to the rest of the world to pin a label on you or to say what you have to be because of X, Y, or Z or Z for most of our listeners. Sorry. Got some Canadian slipping out there, but it's up to you for yourself to decide who you are. And, and I love when Spock's kind of hashing this out with Dr. Aspen and, and they say to him, that's not a question for me to answer. That's, that's for you to answer. You need to figure that out. That's, I'm, I can't assign a label to you. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about this mission. Dr. Aspen is aboard because there's some colony ships that have disappeared and They're going to have to end up leaving Federation space to try and find them. And Dr. Aspen is aboard to help try and find them and and rescue them and that sort of thing. And she warns them about a pirate group that operates in the area. The Serene Squall is the name of their ship. They're basically telling the crew that watch out for them because if you encounter them, it will end badly. So they do end up leaving Federation space. And they get trapped by this laser net. And I was really curious about this because, of course, it looks like something we've seen in Star Trek before. The Tholian web, right? I've watched it twice now and I'm still not 100% sure. Dr. Aspen says that it wasn't a trap set by the Serene Squall because if it was, they'd be dead. Now... Of course, revealed later, we know that Dr. Aspen is not who they say they are. They're actually Captain Angel of the Serene Squall. So we don't know if we can take what they say at face value, but the possibility exists that this wasn't a trap set by the Serene Squall, that maybe this was something like the Tholians or something like that. I don't know. 
it's still kind of ambiguous. Oh, good. I'm so glad you said this because I thought, am I missing something? Am I? I'm like, Dan will set me straight. But yeah, <laughs> I'm on the same page. I don't know if it's the, like you said, I don't know if we can trust Captain Angel on this <laughs> or not. You know, was <laughs> were they telling the truth or not? But um, OK, I'm kind of hoping it's not the Tholians, but I think it probably is. And the other reason I say that is because I just... It just feels more and more like everything that TOS that we assumed was like a first contact or first experience with something will find out that it wasn't, you know? It's like the problem with doing prequels like Discovery and this series is they dip their toe into the waters of TOS and it's like, oh, I thought the Gorn were first experienced on TOS. That's not true. Oh, I thought the Mirror Universe was first on TOS. That's not <laughs> true. I mean, we can go down the list and, oh, the Tholians, you know, all that stuff. And I yeah. mean, it's it's fine if it is the Tholians, but I, I do like that they kept it a mystery, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least we do know for sure that the Tholians were experienced before TOS. Like, we know that from the dialogue in the episode, The Tholian Web. That's true. So they They were well known by that time, so... We do know somebody experienced them before, so there's not that issue, at least. That's good. I mean, the most obvious explanation, because Dr. Aspen, in quotes, helps them get out of the trap, would be that this was a trap set up by the Serene Squall designed to make them trust Dr. Aspen. And and you know what I mean? Like designed to get them to be a necessary part of this or something but there's there's enough ambiguity there that it could be something else and my money would be on the tholians well especially when ortegas is like it's like a web (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. made of lasers yeah (laughs) yeah the other big thing from this encounter that i love is spock has to make a guess and actually watching it again it's funny how pike puts it on spock where they're like, oh, target the one that has the highest power signature, or whatever. And then like a second one pops up and Pike's like, uh, Spock, you're going to have to guess. It's like, you're the captain, dude. Order them to fire at one of them. But that's OK. He puts it on Spock. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why is the captain making him guess? Like, <laughs> He should just guess. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it is put on Spock. And I love this because he's so clearly not at all comfortable with making a guess with totally which totally tracks with what we see later on right like he resists making a guess with no information available as a, like really hard right like guessing is not in my nature doctors his line in star trek 4 right so i love that scene and he picks one and then like cringes and closes his eyes because it's 50-50 it's literally Who knows? They might blow up and they might get out of this. And that's brutal to see that play out on his face. I want to see more of number one's intellect in some of these episodes. Like, and and I mean, it's fine with this. I know what they're doing, but in a, in a scene like that, I would like to see Captain Pike tell Spock to make a guess. And he says, I can't. And number one's like, well, I can. And she makes the right guess because of her intellect, you know? (laughs) You know, I have to say, number one is kind of almost criminally underused in these 
first seven episodes, if I'm being honest, like she's, I want to see more of her. I, I guess we had the one big episode of coast, of course, ghosts of Illyria, but besides that, like she seems to be background a lot, which I, I, I want to see more of her. I, I agree. I think we need more of her and Dan, I couldn't help but think of you throughout this episode that your complaint's going to be, there's no hammer. There's no hammer again. <laughs> Come on, guys. Ah, <sighs> yeah, no hammer. That's it's disappointing. I need I need more Bruce Horak in my Star Trek. Come on, guys. I guess he went back <laughs> to Alberta, so he's not coming back for a while. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I hope he shows up soon. Uh, so they get out of this trap. Spock makes the correct guess, and and they get out of the trap, and we see Ortegas flying the ship manually through this area. I have to say, I don't know if you noticed or or really if it if it registered with you, but I love the music during this whole sequence while they're flying through this area. And I, I, I can't even describe it, but it's like this kind of eerie, really kind of cool music while they're kind of waiting to see what they'll find. I, the music in this series, Nami Melamad is killing it as the composer for this series. Can I make a request that as people are listening to this, that's in post-production, you add a little piece of that music so we can all hear that. Steering without mapping relays is no easy task. Ensign Shu can relieve you if you need a minute. Actually, I enjoy flying manually. Feels like the ship and I are in a deep conversation. You know. Like a third date. <laughs> I love it. It's it's nice. It's not like in your face, but it's just creating this really cool mood. I, now I want to go back and listen to it because <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> focus on it that much. And now I want to. So they do eventually find the ship. They find debris from two ships and they think that maybe they all evacuated on the third ship. They eventually find it and Pike leads a boarding party over. Now, I want to call attention to Pike leading this boarding party, which number one calls out as well. Earlier, Dr. Aspen had called him a boy scout and Pike says, I'm, I'm not a boy scout. And number one says, Chris it actually says that in your file. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, was his hair a little calmer in this episode? Now that I think about it, <laughs> I think so. Maybe a little bit. It was pretty tall, but he gets, uh, so they get captured by pirates and he kind of gets beat up a bit. And I noticed that kind of flattened it down a little bit. I noticed so. that too. Yeah. Cause I was thinking he's looking more <laughs> boy scout that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I feel like, his decision to lead this, uh, this boarding party and, and take these risks. He's, he's trying to shake that boy scout image, which is interesting. Like I kind of like that, that propels him a bit in this episode. Is boy scouts an insult to him? Maybe a little bit like not, maybe not a huge insult, but just like, you know, he's a goody two shoes. He plays by the rules, that kind of thing. I think he maybe wants a little bit more of the maverick title just you know not nobody likes to be told like oh you're so you're you're a square right you're such a 
I don't know. I, maybe there's some of that playing into it. Yeah, it wasn't Boy Scout the other day, but it was something like that that my oldest daughter heard and said, like, well, what's wrong with that? I like that about my men. <laughs> so there's some of that like Boy Scouts. So there you go. My mind was flashing back to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where David Marcus was saying to Carol Marcus, you remember that overgrown Boy Scout you used to hang out with? And Carol says... Listen, kiddo, Jim Kirk was many things, but he was never a Boy Scout. <laughs> I love that callback, yes. So we know Pike is and Kirk isn't. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way anyway. It's canon. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So yeah, like I said, they're captured by the pirates aboard the ship. It turns out the ship isn't the colony ship. It actually is the Serene Squall. And at the same time that they beamed over to that ship... Pirates had beamed over to the Enterprise from the ship and succeed in taking over the Enterprise. Spock and Dr. Aspen, in quotes, escape from the bridge as it's being taken over and stuff. I, I love some of these action scenes. Everybody is captured except, like I said, Spock and Dr. Aspen. But also Christine Chapel manages to elude capture. And she gets some pretty cool badass moments that I really enjoyed as well. Yeah, I like how she took down two of those pirates and just knocked them out with the hyper spray or whatever. And because I thought, oh, no, you know, the one guy had a gun. And I was like, she can get the gun. But nope, she used the hypo spray. And so that was cool. And afterwards, she's just like, OK, like, OK, I did that. Move on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love that. Yeah. Where she takes a moment and kind of looks at her handiwork and is like, wow. All right. And then she hears someone coming and she's like, ah, crap. And has to run off. <laughs> yes. And I like her going up the Jeffrey's tubes. Yes. So we get the, that classic angled tube that, that Scotty worked in all the time in TOS. That was fun. Yeah. I liked <laughs> seeing that. And then we saw another angle of it too was Spock. Yeah, for sure. So they're, they're making use of that, the, the familiar settings and stuff. I enjoy that. So back on the Serene Squall, <laughs> we have some... I'm really enjoying these scenes here with Pike kind of fomenting dissent among the crew of the pirate ship. We've got the pirate captain, and I put captain in quotes there because we learn later on that he's not the actual captain captain but this orion guy with the big red beard uh, i kind of love this guy uh, he throws the like slop in pike's face and pike's this is what you eat and it's like what are you talking about the crew loves it and he looks around the crew's kind of like uh, hmm. <laughs> and he like cooks a meal for them and, and gets them on his side a little bit that way which made me think I want in retrospect now in Deep Space Nine a scene of Cisco cooking jambalaya for like some attacking people to get them on his side <laughs> yeah that was the one thing that really stood out to me too is like we've seen Pike cooking in several episodes now but it really was in this episode where I thought okay I think it's known now Pike is a big cook <laughs> right because if mm. he's cooking for a bunch of pirates this is his thing. I want to see, like, I, I, I totally picture Pike in front of a barbecue somewhere with, like, an apron that has, like, a really bad dad joke pun on it. Like, he just fits that. <laughs> or cooking pizzas like Riker was in Picard. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, what were your thoughts on this Orion Captain guy? I just, I love the 
the way he's played. I don't know. He he was hilarious to me. I I mean, I didn't like him as much as you did. I mean, I thought he was okay, but he didn't like I wasn't like thinking, "Oh, he's hilarious" or "Oh, I really like this." My my least favorite scenes were on the pirate ship. Yeah, there's some great scenes there where like I said Pike has cooked this meal and he finds out that the captain wants to sell them to the Klingons and the crew doesn't seem by that. I mean, the pirate crew doesn't seem very happy with that idea. And he realizes that's the angle that he can take. And he gets thrown back in the cell with the rest of his crew. And he references Alpha Braga four. And number one is like, no, yep. We're starting a mutiny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Braga, I've heard that name before. (laughs) I was wondering that because I did, I listened to it a few times and I'm pretty sure it's like, he says Alpha Braga for and someone else Alpha Braga for. So it's definitely he's saying Braga, Braga, not Bravo. So is that a reference to Brandon Braga? That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. I'm like, am I hearing this right? Is this what's going on here? But, and then I saw that you put in the notes that way, spelling that way. I was like... Okay, Dan's picking up on the same thing I am, so maybe it is. Yeah, well, I mean, the version of the episode that I watch doesn't, there's no way to get subtitles on it, so. Okay, I didn't uh, even do that. Yeah, I'm curious when when I can see it with subtitles. I, I really want to play just that scene so I can see what that says. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I want to see the subtitles to the, all the pirate talk, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't talk like, Yar pirates, but the, this this Orion captain, I think he's got like a bit of a Canadian accent or something. Like, there's something that made me think a couple times, like, hmm. But uh, we'll we'll get some pirate speak later in a scene that I think we might have mixed feelings on. Yeah, but you know, I do like how he plays this Orion pirate, and it wasn't just like some big oh, I'm a Orion pirate, you know, that he just. He he seemed more real. Like he did seem like he's just like this guy who would be a pirate, you know, just forget mm. the fact that he's Orion and he's green, you know, <laughs> he just acts like that. Well, getting back to the Enterprise and we've got Spock and Dr. Aspen again with the quote marks make their way to engineering where Chapel is and she's trying to get access to subspace communications, but the computer's still on lockdown And Spock takes the computer off of lockdown. And that's when we discover, of course, that Dr. Aspen is not actually Dr. Aspen at all, but Captain Angel. This is where the big reveal is. And apparently this has all been a ruse to free a prisoner on that Vulcan penal colony that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. Some guy named Zavarius, and I'm sure he's just the scariest. So <laughs> <laughs> that rhymes, Dan. <laughs> it does. It does. A uh, quick side note Are you familiar with bad lip reading on YouTube? Yes. YouTube channel? Yes, I've seen that. They do a bunch of like Star Wars parody songs, and uh, there's one called Hostels on the Hill, and they have the pilot of the AT-AT in The Empire Strikes Back and his bad lip reading thing is something along the lines of I don't think it's Zavarius but I'm going to say that because it rhymes but he's like my name is Zavarius I am the scariest or something like that <laughs> that just went through my mind the whole time every time I heard that name here oh, look it's a bad guy don't worry about it Darius because I'm a mile high and I'm the scariest 
<laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Bad lip reading. <laughs> so, yeah, if anybody out there has heard that one, you know what I'm talking about. And that was all just for you. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen that, but I don't remember it. So this prisoner that Angel refers to a few times, Spock figures out fairly early on who this is. And I'm curious when they say something about Zavarius and Spock says, of course. And he has this realization of, of who this, this person that thereafter is. Did you have any guesses or did you know at this point who that might be? I did. Yes. I quickly was like, I think I know who this is. Oh, that's awesome. Cause I, I did too. And I was so freaking excited at the mere possibility that this character might be who I thought it was. And then at the end, we get the revelation that it is, it is totally who we thought it was. And uh, I think people are going to go nuts about this re revelation. It's Cybok, Spock's half-brother. They're bringing him in. Thank oh you. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been wanting somebody to do this thing for years. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, even in the novels and stuff, no one really does anything with Cybok or in the comics. And it's like... It's like taboo to do anything with Cybok. I mean, it's just been a little bit maybe here and there. But even in Discovery, I was like, come on. Like, we keep talking about Burnham and the family, and no one mentions about the other brother. You know, It's like, are we really going to just sidestep Cybok? Okay, fine, if that's the way we're going to go. But then to see this at the end, I was like, okay, finally, yeah, let's do this. You know, because when... When I was thinking of Zavarius, and I thought, oh, okay, this might be Cybok, and then it didn't turn out that way for a while, I thought, okay, but I bet Cybok is there, you know? Mm, but I didn't think they yeah. were the same person until the end. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there you go. And then I'm like, I want to see this in the next episode, but I don't think that happens. <laughs> I don't think so, but I do really get the feeling that it's going to get followed up on at some point. Yeah. You know, and maybe a lot sooner than we think based on the fact that T'Pring's showing up so often. Maybe it'll get followed up sooner than we think. Maybe he'll be the big baddie for the the season finale or something. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I, I yeah, we I think we definitely will follow up with this character. I don't think they're just going to tease him at the end like that and just leave it. We're going to come back to him at some point. But I, yeah. I was I was thrilled. It's not like I'm sitting here saying, oh, I'm a big Star Trek V, the Final Frontier fan, and I love Cybok so much. But, you know, he's he's in the canon there. He's in the movies. We might as well utilize, find out something more about him at some point, right? So thankfully, we're going to do that. Yeah, I, I have in the back of my mind this idea of a Star Trek fan who's, you know, maybe a fairly new Star Trek fan, but you know, didn't watch, hasn't seen Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And they're like, oh yeah, okay. So Spock had a foster sister that was a surprise. And now suddenly he's also got this half brother. Come on, people. Original ideas. Jeez. <laughs> I, again, I thought the same thing. I did. I thought somebody's going to sit there and go like, wait, so Spock now has this half sister. Okay. Oh wait, now he's got a half brother. What the? What are they doing? Why? Why are they doing this? You know, but it's like, yeah, well, that's already established. But it, it does seem kind of crazy. There's something else I want to point out that's not necessarily about Cybok, but Chapel. 
and her talking to Spock here at the end of this episode. And she mentions that she knows that Sarek is his father. Mm-hmm. And that is something that McCoy and Kirk didn't know when we saw Journey to Babel. Yeah. So it made me just wonder, it's like, how does Chapel know? And why doesn't Kirk and McCoy know? See, now I wonder if maybe Chapel has done the 23rd century version of Facebook stalking someone. Like she's kind of into this Spock guy. So, you know, she's she's looked him up on Facebook. She's Googled him or something. And I don't know. Maybe after that, Spock locks down his personal information a little tighter or something. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it made me also wonder, I didn't think that, but I thought maybe because they have this friendship, maybe Mm -hmm. he did reveal this to her when they're talking about praying and all the things that he has to go through on Vulcan with this whole mating ritual and stuff. And maybe he told her about it, but asked her to keep it between them, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the more serious answer that I think is probably likely for sure. Yeah, but then we're not told that or seen that. So anyway, I was just, that was the first thing that came to my mind. It's like, why does she know this? But Kirk and McCoy didn't. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Well, speaking of chapel, let's get to the the kind of uh, climax of this episode here because Captain Angel is going to use Spock's life to trade for this Zavarius guy who we know, of course, is Cybok and contacts to Pring and says, you know, I've got Spock. I will trade his life for Zavarius. Meet us here. And she does. She meets them there. But Spock play acts this thing with Nurse Chapel to convince T'Pring to dissolve their bond. He starts by t- saying to Chapel, you know, play along. I apologize if I take any liberties. And she's like, okay. And he starts trying to say this thing to T'Pring that, that he's been giving into his human half and blah, blah, blah. And she's not getting it. She says, you're not communicating effectively, Spock. And Chapel says, we're having an affair. <laughs> and... She's not really buying it. And then they share this kiss. And my word, this kiss is very real for at least one of them, which is what I thought the the first time I saw it. Then by the time the episode's over, I think that kiss might have been very real for two of the participants in it. I could be wrong, but mm, I don't know. It was a very passionate kiss. Yeah, I'm... I'm favoring they both were into it. <laughs> yes. I mean, just from, you know, a series standpoint and writing this, I mean, it would just be more interesting to think that Spock might have a thing for Christine Chapel, but he's keeping it in check, you know, but there is something there. And there's something there. Yeah. It's something there. And I mean, yeah. I mean, hooray for them. I was like rooting them on like, Yeah. You know, make out. <laughs> so, but I, I have to say that I wasn't really all that thrilled with the whole way that Angel was thinking, oh, well, you know, if I get to pr- to Pring, will, my bait will be Spock. To Pring will come get him and exchange this other Vulcan for him. I was like, would to Pring really do that? I mean, I, I'm not saying I know for sure, but. I just thought, you know, her confidence, Angel's confidence that T'Pring would do that. I was just like, eh, I don't know. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, not to say she wouldn't want to rescue Spock, but would she really exchange Savarius for him? I don't know. Well, their confidence would seem to be borne out because T'Pring does show up. So at first I was like, they're pretty confident. I don't know. I was kind of with you on that. But the fact that T'Pring does show up, I, I think Dr. Aspen, again, Captain Angel, just has this ability to really read people because as we learn in this episode, they really do get under Spock's skin and manipulate him very emotionally, I think, throughout the episode, yeah. which is really surprising, especially on rewatch, to see all the little moments where everything they're doing is so calculated to get Spock to do what they want. It's really fascinating to watch from that perspective. And the fact that they're a counselor makes more mm-hmm. sense to be able to do that too. So the yeah. training is there. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, this, this final conversation between Spock and Chapel at the end, this is where, like at first I thought Chapel is really into this kiss and Spock is just selling it. This end conversation is what made me think, Oh, I think Spock kind of was a little into this as well. Not just that conversation with Chapel, though, I should say. Also, the conversation between Spock and T'Pring at the end, where T'Pring kind of says, your human half was what really sold the passion of that kiss. And Spock, the look on Spock's face is kind of like, yeah, yeah, that that's all it, it was. Uh, yeah, you're right. I I really like that look there is so subtle but there's definitely like you said something there for sure yeah i remember that part where i thought spock's like oh yeah okay yeah you're right sure (laughs) you know maybe maybe not but sure okay (laughs) so yeah at the end here of course the enterprise gets rescued basically by the serene squall because pike and the rest of the crew have managed to incite this mutiny and They've shown up uh, a little prematurely. They've taken the bridge, though. Apparently the mutiny is still going on behind them and they have to get out of there quickly. But I love this image of Pike at the at the ship's wheel. (laughs) That was a little cheesy, but you know what? I'm kind of they're having a bit of fun with this episode and I'm kind of with them on it. Like, that's funny and cool. I did kind of like the wheel. I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I thought, well, surely you know, not every ship steers the same way. It would make sense that a ship might have a wheel as sure. it steers itself. So sure, <laughs> I'll go for this. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so yeah, they come to the rescue. For some reason, I really noticed the pirate helmsman on the Enterprise, the one that's taking the order. It's like, it's the Serene Squall. <laughs> He's just like freaking out. I want to know who this actor is. I didn't really like look in the credits or whatever, but this guy's hilarious. I think he's <laughs> so over the top and I, <laughs> I think he's just so much fun to watch. <laughs> well, now I know who you're going to cosplay as next time we're at a show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't know if I could pull that off, but I'll try. <laughs> I could, you know what? I could maybe do the cosplay of the Orion captain guy. <laughs> that would be a fun one. I just need a big bushy red beard. Yeah. Well, you got time to grow that out. Mm. Mm. (laughs) It would have to be fake. I'll just say that much. (laughs) But you know, what's fun is you get to act like him during the whole show. Yes, absolutely. Well, speaking of acting like a pirate, we get this brief scene at the end that I have to admit, I really laughed at where it's this quiet moment on the bridge and Pike just starts 
belting out in like pirate speak, like the, the stereotypical Yarmy mateys pirate speech. And number one is just, please stop. <laughs> I love this scene. I think that was, and after number one says that just the look of pure, like, Oh, on Pike's face. I just, I love it. I loved every moment of that. <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> I was like, this is the most cringeworthy scene of the series for me so far. I was just like, it almost in a way felt to me as if they needed some extra time and they threw an extra scene. Like, let's, let's just have Pike do like a pirate thing. And, and number one, just like roll her eyes or say something like it almost felt like that to me. But I kept thinking of Connor Trenier going, Oh, they're making you do a pirate too. Like they made me do that in, in the mirror darkly. And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept uh, thinking. But, um, cause I thought is Anson Mount into this or is he like, Oh gosh. Okay, fine. I'll play this scene this way. I don't know. It just was very, it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Fair enough. And it is, it's heavy with the cringe. Absolutely. I, I've got to say, I mean, I can't claim to know the guy, but following Anson Mount on Twitter, I feel like he'd be into this. Like, I feel like he's got that twisted sense of humor. He's even doing like the, the eye squinty thing where the one eye is bulging and the other one's all squinty closed. I don't know. I just, I loved it. I thought he was having so much fun. And number one's uncomfortableness with it. That might have been real. I feel like that might have been very real. <laughs> but what I did think when I saw this is I thought it feels very TOS to me. Like Yes. You know? I had that same thought. So then I thought, well, maybe that's what they're going for here, too. Yeah, I definitely had that thought for sure, too. Except it just didn't have the right music like they would have had in TOS for this. <laughs> and then yeah. the whole bridge crew sh starts laughing at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those were pretty cringe too, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we do get one character laughing a little bit at the end. We get the camera pans across and Ortegas is kind of chuckling at all of this, which I liked. I liked her little chuckle at, at the captain getting shut down by number one. I thought that was funny. Yes, I did like that. I just realized that we didn't see Uhura in this at all. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Uhura is not in this one either. Because I was thinking hmm. of the whole bridge laughing, and I was thinking of her in TOS doing it. And I was like, oh, wait, she's not in this one. So, mm. Wow, yeah, no Uhura, no Hammer. Well, I hope there's more for them to do next week. I hope so, too. So, Bruce, any final thoughts, anything we didn't cover, and maybe a rating for the Serene Squall? You know, this one's a little tough for me. I... I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I almost want to say this is my least favorite episode of the series so far, but again, it's not that I don't like it. I did like it. It just, it, uh, you know, there's, I guess maybe the whole pirate thing just didn't work for me all that much, especially that ending that we just talked about, <laughs> but I, I, I like the Dr. Aspen aspects of this with Spock and the chapel thing. I, I think maybe I do like this a little more than last week's episode, maybe. So it's hard for me to say. But now I'll give this one four out of five boxes that people put us in. Well, are you ready for uh, the big shocker? I think this is my favorite episode. No way. So far. I love this episode. Wow. Okay. <laughs> 
there's so much that I enjoy. And I'm, I'm really loving the pirate aspect. Like the point in the episode where you realize, okay, they're going to be kind of broad and silly and a little over the top with this. I kind of got on board with it. And I just like that pirate captain, the Orion guy, as soon as he started talking, I'm like, okay, they're playing this up big time. Uh, all the way through Pike with the big ship's wheel and then his <laughs> pirate voice at the end. I'm loving that whole aspect of it. And then you add to that someone I think is maybe one of the best guest stars I've seen in any of these episodes. Jesse James Keitel as Dr. Aspen slash Captain Angel. I thought they did an incredible job. I love that they escape at the end because that makes me think, ooh, maybe we're going to see more of them and they're going to, going to be maybe an ongoing threat at some point to the Enterprise. I really hope that's the case. I hope we see them back again in the show. I love that. And then, of course, the continuation of the Spock to Pring thing, the whole chapel thing. I'm kind of here for that. I'm really enjoying the performances of all of them. And then the revelation of Cybok at the end. I, I just think that's really cool. I, yeah. I really love that, bringing that aspect into it. Not shying away from it, not saying like, oh, that's a part of the Star Trek canon we'd like to kind of forget. No, they're going to embrace it and work it in. I love that. So, yeah, this one is... I mean, it's a, a 10 out of 10 deep conversations between Spock and Angel and Spock and Chapel and Spock and T'Pring. Spock's just becoming a player at this point, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm digging this. I really love this episode. Nice. I didn't see that coming. I, I really, I mean, I knew you liked the episode, but to be your favorite one, I did not expect that. Yeah, I, th I really, yeah. It might be recency bias a little bit because it's the one I've just watched, but it really is, I think, my favorite so far. You know, usually we're about on par with each other in our ratings, and I didn't give this a bad rating, but no, you know, for, for me to say, oh, this might be my least fit. No, I think I better like a bit less, like near the bottom of my list. <laughs> and it's at the yeah. top of yours is unusual. I kind of love that. That was when you said that I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be fun. Okay. Yeah. But again, still, all these episodes are solid. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there hasn't been one where I'm like, eh, now didn't really care for it very much, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They've really come out of the gate swinging in. Is that a, am I mixing my metaphors there? Anyway, really loving Strange New Worlds. They're really hitting their stride very early on, I think. So, yeah. yeah. And that whole episodic thing, you know, I'm enjoying it. I, I do like the serialization of Picard and Discovery but sometimes I notice that, you know, even in the past, we've talked about stuff where we were like, yeah, I really wish they'd get to this point, you know, kind of resolve this. And we're, you know, things play out for a while sometimes, which stretch it out. It's nice when these things are all wrapped up at the end. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm enjoying the format with this particular crew. It's working really well, I think. So. Yeah. Well, Bruce, when people want to discuss the latest episode of Strange New Worlds or anything else, where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on Instagram at Admiral Rex, and I'm also in our Facebook discussion group. Excellent. And I'm also on Twitter at Kurtrats and on YouTube.com slash Productions. 
And like you, also in the Positively Trek discussion group, we really would love you all to join us there to discuss your thoughts on the Serene Squall and anything Star Trek you have on your mind. Join us there. Talk about it. It's a welcoming group. We'd love to have you all. Thank you, of course, to the Patreon supporters for all of your help in bringing these episodes to you each week. And thank you to everyone else for listening. We really, truly do appreciate each and every one of you. So, until next week when we discuss the next episode, The Elysian Kingdom, stay positive. I'm all for it, though. Okay, I missed, like, all of that. <laughs> okay, you... I was wondering, because it looked like you were frozen, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, you were frozen, you were like... And I was like, oh, okay. crap. <laughs> so I didn't hear all any right. of that. But, yeah, that's really great, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.